Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Blind Shots Podcast. I'm your host, David Hill, coming to you as always from beautiful Lexington, Kentucky. Welcome to Episode 6, the Americans and Scotland Roundtable, Round 1. It's a conversation with my Scottish golf trip companions, Fred May and Matt Cheney, discussing our preparations for the Scottish golf trip, the whirlwind first day of travel, and how it all culminated in a great round on North Berwick's West Links. In Episodes 2 and 3 of the podcast, I had on Graylin Loomis to talk about how to plan a Scottish golf trip. Uh, based on his years of experience living in St. Andrews, as well as planning trips for people, he was able to compile an ebook, How to Plan a Scottish Golf Trip. That's a great guide. And that's all academic and fun and probably the theoretical ideal to strive for when planning a golf trip. In our roundtable, we get into the nitty-gritty of what it's really like to go on a Scottish golf trip. No tour guides, no concierge travel services, just three bumbling Americans and what it's like when things don't go exactly according to plan. More on that in just a moment. A reminder that the Blind Shots podcast is a proud member of the Talking Golf Network shows, which you can find at TalkingGolf.com. Uh, there you're going to find some really great golf podcasts, including one of my favorites, Talking Golf History, from Connor Lewis. He's in the midst of putting together four or five episodes on Dr. Alistair McKenzie, who's one of the great golf architects of all time. So if you have any interest in golf history or golf architecture like me, do check those out. You can interact with this show on Twitter at BlindShotsPod. You can find my thoughts and writings online at OneBeardedGolfer.com. You can reach out to me uh, individually on Twitter at OneBeardedGolfer. That's the number one bearded golfer. I'm also on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, not hard to find. In addition to playing and talking and writing about golf, I want to give a plug for the day job. I'm a licensed Kentucky realtor with Rector Hayden Realtors. That's a Berkshire Hathaway affiliate here in central Kentucky. Uh, I have a dual focus working with homeowners buying and selling their homes and also working with investors and businesses on the commercial side of real estate. I focus there mainly on professional and office space needs. So if that's something you've got an interest in or need some help with, you can find all my contact information at davidhill.rhr.com. I'll be happy to talk with you and see if I can help you. Now back to the roundtable. Our discussion, which is a mishmash of good memories, laughs, stories, and some reflection, starts with how our trip started, moves into the realm of the absurd between the planes, trains, and automobiles hijinks, and concludes with our plane North Berwick as a, our welcome to Scotland moment. It's the first in a series of our roundtable-style discussions. They're great fun for us, so I hope you enjoy listening along and can glean you know, not only maybe some laughs and some entertainment, but also perhaps some useful information if you ever head abroad on a golf trip. Let us be your example of what not to do. That would make me very happy. So without further ado, here are Matt and Fred and I with part one. And now I'm joined by uh, both of my Scottish golf trip compatriots, Matt Cheney and Fred May. Good evening, fellas. Good evening, gentlemen. Um, Matt, I think I have been on the phone with you maybe twice in my life. Um, so it's a rarity. Our, our friendship, our man love affair is basically email and text based, if not in person. Phone calls just aren't a big part of it. 
what did you think when I asked you, it's like, hey, are you going to be available for a phone call later, back some 18 months ago? Yeah, that, it was uh, it was definitely a threat. This is either something really bad or something really good, and I'm not entirely sure which. Right, and for listeners, that was – I had just gotten the email uh, the day before, uh, standing on the 18th tee at Valhalla, informing me that I had a, an old course tee time about a year uh, in advance. So I, it wasn't that night. It's probably the next day. And Matt, you were one of the the people that I had to fill out uh, the the basically the biography for just to apply. You have to you can't just apply for tea time and fill it in later. You have to name your your travel group uh, replete with handicap information, which I was happily to forge um, for you. But yeah, so I had to make that phone call. Like, hey, um, I think I had sent out a, a group text that. You know, I'm gonna apply for this. It's gonna be fun. It, you know, it was a pleasant daydream. All of a sudden, it got sure. real. Uh, so, what was your, what did you think initially? So, I, I am part of the reason that uh, that we've gotten along so well over the years is that I am I'm about as cheap as you are. Um, so, obviously, the very first thought was, uh, am I really gonna be willing to spend that kind of money on myself? Um, and which is which is a silly thought to have when such an opportunity presents itself. But I'm afflicted with. So that was probably the first thought, followed very quickly by, "Holy crap! How cool would that be? Um, am I really going to allow this to opportunity to pass me by?" No, that happened in about the first two and a half seconds after you told me. Um, so yeah, it's very very conflicted from the word go. Yeah, in, in retrospect, the money is the silly part. Yeah, we, we did not do an extravagant trip, and and being in shoulder season certainly helped. Um, now, Fred, this is for you. What what did you think when Matt called you, or or was it in person? I don't know how that went down. Uh, because Fred was not on the initial list. The the worst part of this whole experience is I had to put four names on that piece of paper to start, and that meant one of our really hardcore golf buddies wasn't on the list. Um, so Fred was my, my first alternate, which I, I don't know if he's offended by that. It doesn't matter. He got to go on the trip anyway. But what what went through your mind? Um, so I was actually at uh, at Matt's house, um, and he, you know, he Matt very calmly and you know as Matt always is very matter of factly said, "Hey, I need to talk to you real quick." And I was like, "Oh, well, okay, what's going on?" So he he goes on to say, "You know, you know, Mr. Hill actually won uh, the right." or the honor, I guess, to go to Scotland and play St. Andrews. My first reaction was, you guys are going to have an awesome time. That is great news, man. I'm excited for you. That will be great. And he's like, well, would you want to go? And I, to go back, I am not offended by not being on that first list. I had no idea, no thoughts that I would be. Um, so a little bit of shock set in. And I said, what? 
he's like, yeah, unfortunately, a couple guys can't go. And, you know, once in a, Dave wants to know if you can go. Um, my first thought as well was, holy crap, that's got to be expensive. Um, my wife sitting that's right That's why we get along me. so well, Fred. Yeah, yeah, exactly. My wife sitting right beside me hears, you know, Matt say, hey, Fred, I need to talk to you real quick. She's there. She's listening and says, <laughs> oh, he's in. No, where he's going. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's let's talk about this for a minute. So my wife, uh, she was looking at plane tickets, you know, on her phone as we were still sitting in Matt and Natalie's, you know, kitchen table talking. So she was uh, she was ready to ship me off before we left Matt's house. So that's how that all went down. Nice. You know, it, yeah. like I said, it was. I found I went back and found the emails. I found out about first of October or October sixth, somewhere in that first week. And the tea time was for late October the following year. So we had plenty of time. We could save up, we could plan, all those sorts of things. Um, and I kinda had a guide. I had that that ebook from Grayland Lewis, mm-hmm. the how to plan a Scottish golf trip. So I had uh, I knew I had a roadmap. I spent my entire, I think I spent a goodly chunk of the next 12 months, honest to God, worrying about rain gear, researching, re-researching, you know, figuring out how much money do I want to spend, am I going to get over there, will it ruin the experience if I'm caught in the rain and I've got a crappy rain suit because the, you know, the high-end rain gear stuff, we're talking about $600 jackets, $400 pants. I mean, that's half the cost of the trip, practically. Um, yeah. What was So that was my bugaboo. That's what I fretted about. Like, towards the, the summer, I, I had won enough pro shop credit in my men's leagues. Like, okay, I can splurge for a kind of a mid-level jacket and some REI pants, which are great. They're Gore-Tex pants, so they're fine. What – and, Fred, I'll throw this to you first. What did you worry about the most? Like, what was the one thing about the trip you worried about? Man, that is a that is a tough question. I think that I worried um, I worried about everything, but um, <laughs> I, I think that if I had to list them, I was more worried about getting there and, and actually the, the the getting around in Scotland. Um, I, I didn't fret about the weather. I, I had the same thought that you had had. You know, hey, you know, it, it, it's – I wasn't going to let it ruin, you know, anything that was over there. I I, I see, you know, Scottish golf as, you know, golfing, golfing bad weather, right? I, when I turn on the British Open, I want to see the flags bending over and the and hats flowing off of caddies, right? That's That's what I look for. I figured it was going to rain. I planned for it to rain. Um, I think I was more concerned about the actual getting getting to the place I needed to be at the right time. Well, and that's it's interesting you said that because I was going back and uh, thinking about my my interview with Graylin Loomis, and and in the book he makes you know makes point to have people think about the logistics ahead of time and. I think if I had anything to do over again, I would have been more open to the the prospect of private transportation earlier. 
I mean, I, I, I blame John Mark for this, our friend. Before. <laughs> you know, he his Scottish experience was get on the train, it drops you off basically right at Prestwick. You know, he didn't have his golf. He was renting golf clubs from the club. You step off the train, it's basically right at North Berwick, rent clubs. Um, I think I had way too much faith from his experience in that we'd be able to get everywhere easily on trains and maybe an occasional cab or bus. Um, but, yeah, if we hadn't found Tim's taxi company in St. Andrews, whoo, boy, that'd been no. that the, He was a lifesaver. Uh, shameless plug, Starfish Taxi of St. Andrews. If you're going to be playing in that part of Scotland, out there in the East Nuke, Fife region, um, flat rates to all the golf courses, uh, shuttle service to St. Andrews, fantastic service. Um, really, we're, we're saved our bacon more than once. Um, but not going to let you off the hook, Matt Cheney. What was the? You had a year to worry, and we are three warriors. What what kept you up at night with regard to the trip? Uh, I mean, you know, you know that I am one who uh, often allows myself to uh, get lost in whatever it is that is taking up my time at the moment, and so uh, it's not that I don't worry per se. I just don't. Uh, don't often spend as much time uh, in in deep contemplation as you do. Um, but the the number one thing I guess that I worried about probably more than anything else was any of the points at which I could screw this up. Um, <laughs> don't don't let something happen to your golf clubs so that they don't get there, and you're playing you know these wonderful courses without your clubs. Uh, don't, you know, don't do something that somehow screws up the airline ticket. So you, you know, you can't travel over there with everybody else and it it screws up the the first tee time. Um, that more than anything to me were, those were the things once we were there and I had all my stuff, there was, there was really very little worrying at that point. I was just kind of happy to be along for the ride. Excellent. You know, and the, speaking of the ride and, and Fred's point of public transportation, so we get off the plane. That works smoothly. You know, we well actually, our flights to we the three of us were meeting in Newark. Is that right? And so yes. So that yep. was an adventure. Um, our plane our plane got spun on approach somewhere over the Adirondacks, and you guys you guys went through the bowels of New Jersey. Is that right? Um, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> I forgot about that. I think I think I found you guys at the airport with about 10 minutes to go before we started boarding for the transatlantic flight. So that was, yeah. Uh, I lied when I said when I said we were there and I didn't worry. I lied. I worried about you getting there when when we were boarding our plane in about 15 minutes and you weren't there yet. Yeah, I would like to change my answer too. Uh, I was I was I was an emotional mess. I mean, I was I was pacing like a new like a, a new father. I mean, I must have walked up and down that that gigantic family that was traveling I, I guess back home to Scotland and yeah, they were in their their, you know, their beach shirts and their shorts and everything else and they were just and I must have walked in front of that family 15 times looking down that long <laughs> corridor and just waiting to see Dave come around. And I kept walking back, and I'm like, yeah, I don't see him. Matt looks at me like, yeah, I, I kind of figured. Oh, uh, that was that was dreadful. 
Yeah, so that was that was our first near miss. The the planes part of the planes, trains, and automobiles. The the second leg of that stool was okay. The tram from the Edinburgh airport to our hotel was fine. You know, Matt Cheney's got on eight layers of clothes, so he's he's sweating like a sinner in the front church pew. I'm I'm just hoping he doesn't pass out at that point. You know, none of us slept on that plane. It was that was a miserable flight. That oh, I don't want to, I don't want to hear it out of you guys. You guys got four times the amount of sleep that I got. <laughs> That's yeah. So he's he's all vested and layered up in the tram. Um, but we get we get settled. We get changed. Grab our unpack our golf clubs. Head up to Waverly Station, which is straight up a mountain. I didn't know there were mountains in the city of Edinburgh. On the map, it's like 600 yards. In real life, it's a 20 minute hike. Um, from Little Italy to Waverly Station. But we get there, and it's fine, and we're dragging our clubs down the stairs, and all of a sudden, our our train out to North Berwick. That's our get-off-the-plane round. It ought to be required. Like, it ought to be part of the visa process. Like, oh, you're coming to Edinburgh on the, the red eye? Go play North Berwick first. Um, but we get there, and our train has been canceled. It's not delayed. It's not suspended. I think the thing caught fire. I yeah. couldn't, you know, there's no explanation and at that point, I I don't freak out much, but I am freaking out. What are we going to do? Is this going to, you know, can you get a cab this time of day? Is there a bus? Are we going to have to cancel, you know, the very first start of our trip? The, the, the scout leader of our trip, North Barrick, that I've been dreaming about for a year. Oh, my goodness. Fred, what, what were you thinking at that point? Um... You know, uh, when we got down there and we couldn't find it, that was my that was my you know leading in right to my big concern was the 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 chaos that I associated with you know public transit in a place that relies on public transit, right? Um, uh, so when when we couldn't find the train and and. And you too, I relied on you two a lot. You know, once I got there, I was just the, I was just the third duck in the line, right? You know, I followed, you know, Dave, you're, you're out in front, bless Matt's heart. He would stay in right on your heels, but every 15 to 20 steps, he turned around to make sure I was still there. Um, so I felt very comfortable. That didn't bother me. I, I was, I was okay with with the train you know blowing up or catching fire um i think uh i think talking to that very sweet lady that was that worked at the station she you know she was trying to explain to me and um i knew that there was no way i was going to to translate this message (laughs) you know to you guys in in a clear and proper way so I, I looked at her and I and I gave her my 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 deepest sincerest plea to walk around that corner and come over to tell you guys exactly what she was trying to tell me. Ma'am, I appreciate you telling me that, but I'm not going to remember any of it. You need to go tell these guys. That's exactly how that conversation started. She and I mean, I let her go through the whole thing, right? She she told me what I needed to do. How many words? Said, how many words did you understand? Oh my gosh! I would say um, maybe seven. Um, she called. She called me love. She's like, "Oh, okay, love." I was like, "Oh, I'm on a good start." And bam, she started into like 
full blown conversation, and I, then I started to panic. Then I was like, oh, boy. Uh, then I, I put my hand on her shoulder, and you know, I I I was hope I hope I didn't offend her, you know. And she smiled at me, and I said, "Ma'am, can you can you um can you come around the corner with me? I have I'm traveling with two friends, and that's assault, and brother." Like, oh. She's like, "Oh yeah, love, come on, you know." And and we walked around the corner, and and I I almost tripped myself in front of her, carrying or dragging my golf bag, and you know it was great, you know. And she came over. And she started talking, and you both were nodding your head like you understood, and then I was okay again. <laughs> you know, listeners, the, you, these guys know, I had a year basically to learn Scottish English. I listened to three or four different podcasts for an entire year. One was um, like a Scottish nature show about some guys up in the highlands <laughs> that would just go see conservation sites and castles and things. And I listened to a rugby podcast for a while. I have no idea about rugby. I don't understand it. I don't particularly want to understand it, but just to kind of immerse myself in the accent. Um, so that gave me a leg up. I felt good. I felt there was nobody I don't think I, I couldn't understand. I don't know what your caddy at Carnoustie was smoking. He had, you know, he had loose tobacco, roll your own cigarettes. I don't know that they were cigarettes. But other than that, I never felt like I didn't know what was going on. Um, but so, yeah, we're, we walk out of that station, and so there's no train. And we make we make the call, I guess, that, to catch the bus, which I did the math. I looked at. I, I looked that up today. It's 24 miles from Waverly Station to North Barracks Clubhouse. That's a lie. It, it's 24 miles. <laughs> it took approximately 85 minutes. <laughs> That's because the Scottish train stops are literally 72 paces apart. <laughs> bus stops. The bus, yeah. Yes, the bus. The bus yeah. stops were there – were, there were literally, and I counted them, 100 stops between Waverly Station and North Barrack. I watched a guy play a whole par three on Muscleboro from the bus. <laughs> like I, you know, and that's, that was way too long to sit still. You know, we needed inertia. We needed forward progress because we had been up all night, you know, that whole deal. And, you know, to be sitting there for an hour, I made it to Gullen. Like I remember seeing the golf courses at Gullen's and then I passed out. Like I fell asleep, which was. Yeah, I still appreciate that. That was unfortunate because you guys didn't know where we were going. I had my phone. Like, I had the data plan already committed for the day, and I was watching the map, like, watching the clock. We There was a the pro shop, God bless them, at North Barrick. Um, they took my phone call. They knew exactly who we were. We were the Yanks. And it's like, hey, we're going to blow our tea time. There's a train fire or something. I don't know. Um, we're, take, we're trying to get out there as best we can. And he says, oh, there's a member event. You know, if you get here by 1230 – you got a chance. I got to send a, a member comp out um, at one o'clock. So we've got a we've got a date certain. Otherwise, you know, it's going to be two forty-five, and we're looking at getting you know fourteen holes in at best. So I'm looking at the, my clock, and I'm looking at the map, uh, the old Google Maps of, and you know, my little blue dot is just at a crawl. It's just we're just moving so slow, and it, somewhere along the line, I fall asleep. You guys didn't know, like we. I don't know which one of you woke me up or thought it was a good idea, but that bus had turned back towards Edinburgh and we were still on it. <laughs> um, uh, may, I, may I interject here for a second? Uh, sure. You were the only one awake, so yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the gist of my story here. Um, 
<laughs> so, so yeah, um, I look over, you know, through, periodically through the, you know, the 85 minute bus trip and, um, I, I see Matt, you know, Matt's struggling, you know, he didn't get much sleep. I understand. So Matt's struggling off and on. Dave, you're with me. Boom, boom, boom. We're looking around. Then we get past, you know, Gullen and it gets, you know, a little more scenic. I look over and both of you have your head back. I'm thinking, okay, no problem. And we come through this quaint little town and I'm like, huh, this looks pretty cool. I don't see a golf course. I don't see anything. I see a nice little statue and we go around the corner and all of a sudden the sun is on the other side of the bus. And I'm like, <laughs> hmm. I, my spider sense starts going off, and I I tap Matt on the shoulder. And I'm like, "Hey, Matt, um, I think we're there." And by this time, we're, we're we are headed back. Yep. I know that you, Matt smacks you on the leg. You look up, and then you don't even. I mean, you just get up and start going toward the front of the bus. <laughs> There's no words. I'm sitting there, and I'm like, uh, in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, shit, I really hope this is the right place, <laughs> because I thought you were jumping off the bus. <laughs> I was. <laughs> and then we had to walk all the way through town, because we were literally, we, I mean, he stopped that bus. Uh, the other giveaway that I thought we might be in trouble was we were the only two or three people left on the bus. Yes. Everybody else had got off. Oh, uh, yeah, that was... That was pretty fun. Yeah, thank thank you for that, Fred. Yeah, and, and the signal that it was time to get off the bus is that I was getting off the bus. I, I, <laughs> that, that's like how I, I roll. Yeah. But then the how, how great was it to be to see the sea, to come around that little wall, cross the street, and see golf course grass? Oh, it was great. It was great. After after all of that, it was it was like the oasis in the middle of the desert. You know, we had made it. We had there were I think there was one group that went off in front of us. We had time to change our, you know, change our shoes. Um, you know, I went and got my hat. I needed a good toboggan. Um, what did we get? Two or three swings into the, you know, into the little hitting mat. So. Um, yeah, they had the net set up. Yep. Uh, hit some putts. I, I couldn't putt the whole trip out, but that was um, that first swing. What, what did you – had it sunk in? I don't think it sank in for me in North Berwick. I think that was just sort of surreal. Like I, I was interested in the course, and I was just happy to be there and be awake. What, what, was, what was North Berwick for you guys? Well, for me, <laughs> North Berwick, honestly, of all the courses that we played over there, Barrick is probably the biggest enigma of any of them. Um, and part of it was probably that I was brutally slipped. Uh, you know, the wind rolling in off the, you know, off the sea there keeps you awake for sure, but uh, puts you a little off your, off your bearings when you're first, when it's the first experience you have with it. Um, but that was... I just remember, and, and with, with that course especially, it's it has quirks. Um, you know, the there's not a ton to some of the holes. Um, the elevation, there's not a ton of elevation change. There's not, you know, big slopes on on very many of the greens. The you know, Bayritz not included, um, and 
And it's not that it was a blast. Don't get me wrong. And I'd recommend it for anybody going over there. It's a wonderful, wonderful course. But I found myself many times there sort of confused isn't quite the right word, but not quite sure how to attack it. I think that's that's the number one feeling that I had there. There was an uneasiness of I'm not entirely sure what my plan of attack is on this hole. That makes sense. Fred? Um, th- this is probably going to be surprising to both of you. Um, I think once we got to the course, um, I, I, th- I became a lot less um, worried about everything. I felt very comfortable. Um, I think if there's any place, you know, in, in this crazy world that I'm going to feel comfortable, it's probably walking around a nice big golf course. Um, I, I think I, I think I know what to expect when I'm there. I, I think I, I know how to, you know, uh, conduct myself in a manner that's not, uh, going to draw a lot of attention. I felt very, very comfortable, um, and I, I think that carried that carried through the rest of the trip for me. Um, when we got to the golf courses, um, I was comfortable everywhere we went. I, I just felt, you know, I felt good. You know, it, it's it's very cliche, but you know, I, I'm traveling in a foreign land and doing something I've always wanted to do, and I was, and I felt like I was, you know, traveling with, you know, three good friends, and, um, you know, I was there to enjoy it. Uh, uh, the the courses, um, as Matt said, and I, I'll agree, and everything that you read about it as well. I think the North Berwick was a great is that great you know first course to play. You know it it, it has a lot of what you're going to see the rest of your trip all wrapped up in the one course, but it's not something that's going to um, going to run you off the course and and make you not want to go out the next day. Uh, it's very inviting, I guess is the right way to put it. Um, you see everything in front of you. Uh, you get accustomed to, you know, what you're going to see the rest of the, the rest of the trip. That's a, that's a good way to put it, you know, from, I had read some and researched it. Well, let me back up and say this. Some of the best advice I got for a Scottish golf trip was not to overdo, researching the courses as to like a whole by whole basis you know don't don't ruin the surprise for yourself and I I think that rings true uh, because I knew there are several golf architecturally significant horses uh, holes I'm sorry at North Berwick that are have been copied or were the the influence for templates or, or other famous holes around the world and honestly, they kind of snuck up on me. Like, okay, I knew that the, what is it, the 13th or, I knew there was a Redan coming up. And um, our friend, our mutual friend, John Mark, who had played North Berwick, uh, you know, he had, he told me about the pit, you know, the one with the wall running right next to the green. Um, unfortunately, I got to see that one twice because I think from the, the fourth or fifth hole, I almost killed some very nice old ladies that were playing through. And they asked me, they looked me straight in the eye. I said, well, did you yell four? 
and we're playing dead into a, a 12 to 15 mile an hour wind and said yes ma'am as loud as I could and they said well good and they just moved on they didn't care um, they, they, it wasn't you know in the states they might have tried to beat me with their sand wedge but they're like okay if you yelled for good on you um, but yeah seeing that kind of seeing those holes in the moment was tough uh, I think it was the weariness and like you say that, that course spread it really puts you at ease it's none of us the, the course record was never in jeopardy for any of us but it was in an easy links to get around the walk was easy the views were were easy but they didn't distract you necessarily um you know the greens were fun now matt the the inkling of the wheels coming off later at ely happened to you at north barrack that the third hole there with the the ocean now you got to play off the beach that was a that had to be a cool highlight. That was that was fabulous. Coming right out of the gate, it was on number two, you know, a little little rightward bending hole that that fills in the right side with the with the sea. Um, and yeah, I as I often do had the had the stones to start it over the water and didn't get it back all the way. Um, so I'm you know hitting off the beach, but. And I remember at that moment that that was really the first the first part of the trip that was, you know, hey, we are over here. I'm standing on the the beach of the North Sea, hitting the hitting the sand wedge back up onto the course. How how unbelievably cool is that? Yeah, I I had the same feeling. It's like you're going to go play that right, and there was never any question. Uh, you it was in a big walrus footprint, but um, <laughs> you know. Uh, and, and then, you know, to have a, an opposite reaction, um, then the ball goblin showed up, as I recall. And the third hole, the one with the fence, you said, yes. we had to let some people play through because you, you just weren't having any. I was, well, and it was uh, when you lose the ball twice on two consecutive shots without hitting it into a hazard, um, it'll, it'll get you. At least it'll get me. Yeah, that that was one of those. Uh, did you know that somebody played through on that hole? I I don't know that I had my senses enough around me to uh, to know that. No, <laughs> I, I I have no doubt that it happened. Uh, given given the amount of fun I was having off by myself, uh, and Fred, thank you for you know realizing that it was probably time for you to go help Dave look for his ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. At it, you mentioned, you know, that is a very, very calm landscape. Did you ever feel like you were lost? Like John Mark got lost on that course. He went out by himself on a bad day, kind of in the rain, and I, I don't think he caught that crossover from three to four at the right place. It, what the sight lines there? Like I felt it was a really easy on the eyes course, and you kind of knew where to aim on most things, which wasn't true later in the trip. Am I alone in that? No, I think that that would be the only place that I can remember that that you could have gotten a little off track was that walk from from two to three, right? Three uh, to four, three to four, three to four. crossover. Yeah, three to four. Yeah, um, yeah. I think that would have been the only time that um, that I can remember. There was a there was a couple spots where you had to like walk off and walk back to a tee box. 
um, it, over, you know, playing over here all the time, you know, that that's not, that, that's typically not, uh, not the direction you walk. Right. Uh, there was a lot of times where, you know, you could leave your bag somewhere and, and walk back to the tee box. Um, but for the most part, as you said, I think it was pretty intuitive. Just that one spot would have been a little difficult. But I mean, we we weren't we weren't fighting, you know, a, a golf bag, uh, you know, rain gear and an umbrella and everything else. Uh, I, I have a feeling that's what John Mark was dealing with when he was there. So that would add a definite wrinkle to it. Speaking of wrangling golf bags, I almost forgot. Um, you know, trolley <laughs> trolleys, as they're called, or push carts, as the Americans here would would know them are available for rent, I think, at pretty much every course, uh, unless it's winter, unless they don't, you know, if there's a, a chance of, of turf damage. Um, and it's usually some, some nominal fee, 5, 10 pounds, I think. You got, your boys had them. I forgot to rent one at North Barrick, so I was hoofing it, just carrying my bag. Um, I, that was the only course on which you guys rented trolleys. Don't you want to tell the folks why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll be glad to tell the story. <laughs> yeah, the hole is on perfection. We're coming in. Um, <laughs> that that beautiful par four with the the blind green from the fairway, um, the big coffin bunker at the bottom of the hill, uh, and and Fred take it from there. Um, you know we as Dave said we weren't you know the course record was not in doubt um, and. You know, uh, as Matt had said, you know, he had a a little issue on two, and I was just trying to make sure that, you know, Matt was still okay. So we walked down there. Dave Dave has has gone, you know, off the grid. Uh, My ball's over on four. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to play off the green on four without anybody seeing me. So we're walking up the fairway, and, of course, you know, it's a – it's you know downhill and there's that bunker and I I see Matt's ball and the mine's in the bunker and uh well no we actually didn't see Matt's ball we found my ball and and Matt is walking around and he walks up on the top of the hill and he finds his and he's in pretty good shape and I'm standing next to the bunker and I'm looking up at Matt and as I do so Matt I'm still trying to say oh Matt you're in good shape man you'll be fine and that's when I get hit by a, a trolley going roughly 17 miles an hour. Um, and it startles me. And I jump off to the side, and the trolley is still going 17 miles an hour toward the bunker. I chase after said trolley, and I end up getting clipped by my golf bag that I leave that's now going 18 miles an hour to catch up with me and knocks me into the bunker. My clubs fall over. I still have North Barrick sand in the bottom of my golf bag that I can't get out. <laughs> and Matt's, Matt looks down and says, hey, Dave hit yet? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Matt. I don't know. You, you, missed, you missed the part where I said, Fred, you should let that go. Just, just ignore it, Fred. Yeah, I didn't hear it. <laughs> you forgot the 14-mile-an-hour headwind that we were in that day. And to top it off, so we do play out. I hit a great shot up onto the green to putt. You guys get up. you know. So, yes, the boys do go down, and I think you were good citizens and raked the bunker or, or at least your foot raked after you've gotten I, I, both bags and both trolleys out. And then the heavens opened up. We had seen the clouds for like an hour. They were on this, this big, dark, ugly cloud was on a slow creep. 
Um, and we should have known something was up because all the members that had gone out behind us were all just coming in. Like it wasn't worth it to play the extra five or six holes once their matches were over. Uh, and the heavens opened up with – now, I, I think I remember you saying this right, Fred, that you saw whatever was coming down bouncing off of my back. Oh, yeah. It was uh, it was a it was a nasty mix of like um, sideways sleet and and like hail all wrapped in the together. It was it was coming down, and I literally thought to myself, "Well, here we go." You know, we've had thirteen holes of or fourteen holes of good weather, and now now we're now we're ready to go, right? And it was looking dreadful. Yeah. Matt, what do you did you find that ball on fourteen there? Yeah, no, I was, I was, uh, heck, on fourteen, I was sitting pretty. I was, that was one of the better drives I hit all day, and uh, you know, I had a little, little issue with that, uh, with that trolley earlier, and I'm not surprised that it ran away from me. Uh, fine piece of machinery that it was, um, but no, when the when the heavens started opening, you know, I, I put on the. Uh, <clears throat> the rain gear that I was just at that point hoping I had paid enough for, um, and and in fairness, it was the only you know, it was the only time that we really needed it the whole you know the entire trip out there. Um, but it did it did add an entirely different element to that course. We were very fortunate on so many of the courses that you know the weather. Yeah, there may have been a stiff breeze, and you know that makes it difficult. But we weren't also battling the sideways sleet, which for late October out there, that is definitely in the cards. Um, But at least getting to getting to battle that for a couple of holes gives you a new a new appreciation of what how tough, you know, those courses really could be. Yeah, a guy that plays, uh, I've heard it put well that a a guy plays to an eight handicap at North Barrick. Well, he plays to it in sunny conditions. He plays to it in the wind. He plays to it in the sideways rain. I mean, those are those are courses that produce players, which is yeah. Um, you definitely don't want to gamble against those guys. Um, I'm trying to think that that's the real marquee stretch on that course, starting about there with the pit. Yeah, um, yeah. I was going to say it actually. The weather turned at what is either the best or worst time, depending on how you look at it. Yeah, I, I was on the verge. First swing with rain gear was on was the tee shot on the Redan hole, um, so I promptly put one in that death bunker on the left, and I, I stopped having fun for about 15 minutes at that point. Um, but we came back, and then yeah, that. So I didn't feel like I got a really good experience on that hole. I loved the next one with the the beer ritz, that crazy green where Fred got his birdie. Because um, yeah. I went a little sideways there, but you guys had some some fun experiences. Tell me what you remember about that one. Oh, go ahead, Matt. Oh, this, yeah. Yeah, let this, him tap his birdie in third. Right, yeah, for after after uh, plenty of other things happened, I still I that when I said that I left that course perplexed. Sixteen's a perfect example because I have a, a a chip shot over a bunker. To to a Barrett's green, and I to this day cannot think of a way that I could have done anything good with it. I mean, not one thing. I couldn't hit it right or left or long or short. 
everything was trouble from where I was. And I remember just standing there staring at it. And I looked up at Fred, and I'm sure that the look on my face said, I have absolutely no idea what the hell to do with this. And I, as I understand, you were having fun on the other side, but I was far too self-absorbed at that point to, uh, to know that. I was on the exact opposite side. I'd had a, a decent yardage in, landed it on the green, and ran off to the, the out-of-bounds side of the hole on the wrong side of the valley. So I've got a little bit of the back half of the green, the valley, and then the front half with a short pin. And I did something that I swore I wouldn't do, that I, I, I didn't know I would have to do in Scotland. I pulled my lob wedge just to throw a prayer up off a tight lie, off that tight turf. I just as wanted to get tight it, as it gets. Yep. Yeah, I just wanted to get it on the right half of that green. And I did, and I, you know, for a two-putt, and I, it was way out of the hole. But I looked at it for five minutes. You know, we're pretty quick players, but I looked at it like, well, I can't putt it. I can't chip a five iron up there. I don't think I can chip a pitching wedge. I'm like you. I'm either going to, you know, I can't roll it up to this right back portion of the green because then I've got the valley that I'd have to, I'd have to chip from one half of the green to the other. You can't roll it through there. Yeah. Um, just and I, I, I definitely didn't want to be in the bunker that you were playing over because then that's worse. That's um, worse. So yeah, that was one of those. Just you know, do the, you know, your Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and you know, uh, now Fred had a so we had all the fun we could have. The more shots you have, the more fun you have. That's the way efficiency works. Fred, that was your marquee hole for the trip. Um, yeah, uh, and I, I'm not um, I'm not too proud to admit that. The eight iron I hit from the fairway with Matt standing right beside me was probably a groove thin. It was just <laughs> thin enough to get a normal trajectory, but I knew. I was like, man, that thing is spinning, right? You just know. And I said to myself, oh, bite. And I think it was like a foot from the hole, two feet. Um, and if I would have known what that green looked like from where I hit my shot from the fairway, I would have never, I would have never hit that club, um, because that pin was in that very back portion of that front. Um, yeah, it was five six feet from the valley. Oh, it was brutal. that was an unbelievable was... pin placement. And as I'm standing up there by my, by, I'm you know soaking in the glory of marking my ball that close to the pin and looking around at my fellow fellow travelers and see the despair on both of your faces with, with what looks in front of you um and then proceeding to watch you both cross the green a couple times i mean you know i, I felt pretty blessed you know uh, pretty blessed that's all right I, I made it up 17 was a good hole for me it got straightened out and um Oh, that's right. I forgot. On 18, I hit the clubhouse, or I hit the wall. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I was laying – I was thinking about this yesterday, how similar uh, 1 and 18 are at North Barrick. It's like the mini-me version of the old course where you've got yeah. the shared fairway. You've got a you know a, a mirror image. You've got the clubhouse you know, back behind the 18th or behind the first, really, at the RNA. But still, that kind of – that similar feel, the road on the right with some really nice cars that you don't want to hit. Um, yep. I just thought that was interesting how how mirror image that that was for two of the 
probably the more famous, not the most famous at North Berwick, but you know, good you know, hardcore golfers know that course. Um, and that was a little bit of a nervy shot. I forget one of you guys was over there by the pro shop, and that was was nice. You know, a, a low risk play. Yep. Um, yep. I picked a, a fine time to blade one, and thank God nobody was out there. The the storm had run all the guys off, but I hit that thing. The th- it, my ball rolled back more than halfway back to the green off that stone wall, so I felt good about that one. But um, yeah, that was uh, as I wrote up on the blog when I, I did. It, I was like, that should be. If you're flying into Edinburgh, that's got to be the play. You know, like I understand Gullen is a, a very historic club, and they've got three golf courses, and of course Muirfield's over there, which is a, a very different, more formal um, experience. Which I just didn't feel like that was our trip. That that wasn't the way our trip was was lined up. We may do that one day, um, but that that couldn't be our hello, welcome to Scotland moment. Putting on a coat and tie and and doing an all-day affair at, at Muirfield. Um, but then, so, walking off that green, did you have anything left, fellas? I was pretty spent. I, yeah. was, that was a long two days, you know. It felt like pushing on to three days there for us. With the travel and the anxiety, you know, with the traveling and making sure everything, you know, gets going and, uh, you know, the train events that we talked about the bus ride and then and the walking you know a golf course that you know um like you said most of us had heard about or you know read about um yeah it was it was taxing there was a lot to that day yeah i don't i don't remember i don't remember walking off that saying boy let's let's go play another um, not, not that we would have had time after the the travails of, of getting there, but had we had time, I think I would have begged off on that day. Yeah, yeah. That the, the fisherman's pie that I had at the ship in, boy, no, nothing in a pot pie had ever tasted so good. I don't think as that. Um, you know, and that brings up something. All the restaurants and the pubs were so cool. Everything is so golf centric. You know, they'd let mm-hmm. us like, yeah, hey, bring your bags in, set them right there at that table, or that booth. You know, uh, I don't know if you remember that. It wasn't, it wasn't exactly the Dunvegan setup, but for them just to say, yeah, come on in, bring, bring all your golf stuff. That was sure. I knew we were in a good place at that moment. Yep. And seeing two dogs, if I remember, there were a couple of dogs in that bar. Uh, just yeah. <laughs> may have been some children. I don't, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Um, well, guys, thanks for taking the time. I think we'll end it there. That is the the pre-trip and the the entree into to Scotland um, was a, a lot of fun. It's fun to re, to hash up these memories and, and bring them back to the surface. Uh, any other thoughts on on the trip you'd want to let the folks know if they're thinking about doing something wild and crazy like fear and loathing in Scotland? <laughs> Um, the only thing I would add was, <clears throat> you know, getting the the cottage or the the house there in in uh, St Andrews that worked out so much better than what I thought it was going to be. Um, you know, it wasn't the it wasn't the fanciest house. It wasn't in the you know probably the best part of town. I, I don't know what the best part of, of the town would be, but I mean, it was knowing that you had a warm place to come back and 
you know, after a couple of days, we kind of it kind of felt like home there for us because we had our stuff scattered everywhere. You know, the my room had golf clubs leaning up against it and all kinds of different stuff. It I really enjoyed knowing that we had a place like that to go back to and we could walk to different places. We weren't that far from the downtown. I, I really enjoyed that part of it. My uh my my takeaway thoughts from the trip as a whole, not necessarily specific to any one thing, um, would be, you know, do it and don't overplan it. You know, let let the trip kind of happen as it happens. You know, obviously you've got to do a little bit of planning for for that sort of thing, but um, being flexible and you know, kind of letting letting the days come to you. Um, you know, not making a decision about where you're going to dinner until that night. Um, just the, the little things like that. They ended up leading to so many other, you know, fun parts of the trip that you never would have seen coming. So that'd be that would be my takeaway. Well, and we'll get into a food log later, but that's a that's a well said point uh, that we we just adventured a little bit, and that was so. Those were some of the biggest laughs we had. Um, so again, fellas, thank you for taking the time. Thank you for making the trip with me, and I will be. We'll reconvene pretty soon. Thank you much. All right, thank you. Thank you, David. North Barrick is a very special place. I wish we'd actually been lucid enough, or, or had more time to spend around North Barrick. Not only uh, the West Links and the town, but also would have liked to have seen the Glen Links, which is affectionately known as the other golf course there in North Berwick. Uh, the lack of daylight in late October and our fun with the transit system really made that infeasible. Um, you know, that, that's one of the regrets of the trip. There are probably a dozen different ways to put together a, a once-in-a-lifetime trip for golf and never leave East Lothian, that area east of Edinburgh. And I hope to do that sometime in the future. And you can make Muirfield your uh, anchor round. You can probably just go around Gullen's three courses uh, over and over again and never get bored. But I don't think you can do that trip right without including a trip to North Berwick. Hey, thanks for stopping by another episode of the Blind Shots podcast. Reminder that you can interact with the show directly on Twitter at BlindShotsPod or on the web at BlindShotsPodcast.com. There, you're able to download episodes of the show directly on your favorite podcast playing device, or you can subscribe uh, to whatever feed you use. We're on all the major services, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Blueberry Stitcher, Spotify, etc., etc. I also have a separate Blind Shots Pod Instagram account, so uh, feel free to go check that out. I hope you like what you heard here today, and that you'll subscribe to the podcast, maybe share an episode with your friends. Um, if you didn't like what you heard here, sorry about that. Promise I'll try to do better next time. I hope you'll join me next time uh, here on the Blind Shots podcast. We'll have some additional Scottish golf experience content coming up soon, um, as well as some uh, non-Scottish golf interviews that I'm really excited about. I think you'll enjoy those. Uh, the next roundtable of this style podcast will cover Carnoustie and Ely, uh, two wonderful courses, two wonderful clubs, for vastly different reasons. I think you'll find that interesting. Most importantly, I hope you out there you're being safe and being smart and staying sane. Uh, I, 
have noticed of late that more states are lifting their restrictions on the use of golf courses. So uh, we will get through this. Someday this war will end. Until then, whether you're out playing golf safely and following all the social distancing guidelines, or you're simply daydreaming about the minute that you get the chance to do it, remember, do decide to go for it and take dead aim.